no one becomes successful without mistakes and failures, like literally nobody. One mistake here and there, although it might feel like the end of the world, it really means that you're growing. I'm Leslie Ferry, ex-corporate girl turned CEO of Brise, a mobile app designed to empower individuals and ignite their career success. On our Bright and Wise podcast, we integrate practical skills development guidance with stories of exceptional people who share how they got to where they are today and where they want to go next. Keep listening to hear how you can become bright and wise. I'm continuing my conversation with Dr. Mo McCusker and Dr. Nikki Blacksmith. And we're transitioning from the barrier to greater self-awareness and career success of low confidence from last week's episode to the fear of failure. And Nikki started us off with a key point that no one succeeds without failing. So let's jump right in to hear Nikki and Mo's expert overview of this topic and their guidance and advice on how we can overcome this barrier and become more self-aware and succeed in our careers. No one becomes successful without mistakes and failures, like literally nobody. Um, so one mistake here and there, although it might feel like the end of the world, it really means that you're growing, right? Because you're in a position where you are uncomfortable. You don't, you know, you're not master of the particular skill or expertise and therefore something happens. Um, and that should be a learning experience. It should be a growth experience. It feels uncomfortable because we're not, you know, trained to think of failure as a positive thing. Um, we're trained to think of it as, as a really bad thing, but no one succeeds without failure. It's just, you know, one of my favorite stories is this, uh, I, I don't remember who it was, but he was my hero when he did this on Twitter, this professor um, decided to post his CV. Um, but instead of posting all the things that he accomplished, he posts all the things that he failed at. And the thing kind of went viral in the academic world. I don't know about <laughs> elsewhere, but it was really helpful to so many grad students because they were like, oh, you know, like this super successful person, you know, that I want to be in the future failed a bunch of times too. Um, so it's okay. It's going to happen. Um, and so just catching yourself in those rumination moments when you're kind of in your head and, and you're the one beating yourself up, stop and just remember that that's probably, it's probably more healthy to look at it as a learning experience um, and figure out what it, how you can grow. I am an analytical person. I probably overthink and which is bad too, right? Like I, I go way too far. Um, that's, that's also a characteristic of neuroticism. One of those, um, one of the big, you know, one of the components of course, self-efficacy self um, and high achievement oriented people because tend to be high achievement oriented for that quality in and of itself. Um, but yes, definitely a part of the CSE tri or quad, if you will. Oh yeah. I'm goal oriented. So yeah. <laughs> I'm very clear on, on what motivates me to So I've experienced and I've been exposed to, uh, well, emerging professionals. And all I mean by that is that they are somewhere between two and eight to 10 years into the work, into their careers and to the workplace and I don't, and maybe this is a societal thing, but you'll you'll enlighten us on this. But I've seen this change or shift in behaviors of uh, almost individuals being paralyzed by fear. And then what I have determined or or observed is, I believe I've linked it to this fear of failure. 
There's just so much energy wasted being fearful that they may make a mistake or have some type of failure and whatever that means, like failure can be really small or it could be something larger, but, uh, and I don't want to jump to them, but it's always, always a learning opportunity. So how can we help people over first overcome that, that, Hey, mistakes are going to happen. And you can either invest the time to learn from them, or you can just stay paralyzed and not able to move forward. And then you're truly going to fail because you're not going to accomplish what you would like to accomplish. So how can we help people um, think about, am I just fearful of failure? And then how can we embrace that as a learn? Even if it's painful, trust me, I've, I've failed a lot and it's not fun, um, but it is so valuable. So how can we help people dig themselves out of this paralysis, if you will? Analysis paralysis is yeah. one of our favorite things, right? We yeah. we actually did, Nikki and I did some work at the army with this, actually. It was, it was a much smaller scale, but um, Nikki, what did they call it? It was like um, decision inertia. Is that what? Yes. what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we we, we were studying um, some decision inertia and um, with some folks up at MIT, and we were working with with army commanders and leaders as they were making really high stakes decisions, right? And decisions that had to be made quickly. Um, And sometimes, right, there was this, there was never the point of analysis. I guess I'm not gonna say never, but there was really the point of analysis paralysis, but there was certainly some decision inertia, certainly some like stuttering to make a decision for these high stakes decisions. Um, And sometimes what we saw is that, you know, with some um, kind of lower ranking leaders, there was more decision inertia, right? Because there was this self, there was lower self leadership, self-efficacy, lower decision-making self-efficacy, and more of this overanalyzing. Okay. And they were all the least, you know, they were kind of the least worst decision. They were both bad decisions, you know, that, that uh, bad outcomes, great, good decisions, bad outcomes. So they had to make the least worst decision. And there was a lot of um, analysis paralysis that went in there, but the higher um, the leader individual differences in terms of their leadership and their leader abilities, um, likely leadership self-efficacy, the the less their um, you know, kind of analysis paralysis in making their decisions. And that's a little bit deviating slightly from, from what you were kind of discussing, but it does go into your ability and belief in yourself to make a right decision, whether or not that right decision results in failure. It's still, you know, a decision is a decision. And um, the outcome of the decision should be, if it's failure, there is still a positive side to it. And honestly, if it's success, there's probably still a negative side to it, right? And so it's changing your frame of reference and your, your, your narrative of the outcome of failure. And so um, I think some people are a lot better at this, right? They're a lot better at, at um, can, and this can, to Nikki's point, can go to an extreme, right? Is never seeing failure as um, a learning or growth experience, right? There's this fundamental attribution error and you blame it on something else and you make excuses and you don't utilize the failure as a growth experience of your own self. You say, well, that's something else. That's someone else's fault. It was the environment's fault. It wasn't mine. Um, and I think that can be super um challenging, right? Because you then you don't see failure as your own self and your own growth opportunity. However, if you do change it and say, I failed, but it's okay because here's what I'm going to grow and here's how I'm going to grow from it. And that's practice. There's a lot of um, a practice that would go into saying, okay, well, 
what is one good thing that came out of this, right? What am I grateful for out of this failure? There's got to be one good thing. At least I had to learn something. If not, I'm going to learn something. So I would really challenge people and invite people to any time they do something, and especially achievement-oriented people, we are so prone to this. And Nikki is so good at, at explaining what she just did, only because she's had to do it a million times with me. So um, we are so prone to crushing ourselves after failure because we're high achievement oriented. We expect the best out of ourselves. And when it's not perfect, we we really crush ourselves. Um, but so every time something doesn't go your way, I challenge you to pull out a little journal, pull out your phone and to say, okay, this didn't go the way that I expected or what I wanted, but here's one thing that I learned from this or will learn from this. Just one, there's gotta be one. And then it will become more habitual. We can train our brains to go there every time. Um, and so then we can learn and grow from it. And one a piece of advice for leaders too, if they have employees that are kind of, you know, paralyzed with anxiety, like you mentioned, um, the reason people are afraid of failure is because they're afraid that they're going to look foolish or other people are going to make fun of them, or, you know, it's really kind of like how others perceive them. So it's critical to create a environment of psychological safety. Um, And what that means is that it's okay to make mistakes in this environment. Um, And what we always like to say at Blackhawk is that, you know, it's less about the mistake because mistakes are going to happen. And it's more about how you handle a mistake and what you do with that mistake and creating a safe environment where people feel like it's okay to talk about it or bring things up that are like, they're afraid that might happen. That's going to be more likely that people are stop being afraid to kind of act um, because they realize that, you know it's a process of learning and not a, you get one chance to do something right. And that's what I tell a lot of my students is, you know, they're so trained to like get something perfect because they turn it in and they get a grade, but that's really not how things work, you know, in the real world. Like we all work as a team, there's iterations, we get feedback, there's not a turn it in and that's it. Um, And so getting them to see that it is a process and that there will be things that, you know, people don't like about your work, that's okay. It's a teamwork process. You know, we, we give each other feedback and we make it better together. Um, and it's not about turning in something to, to get an A. I, I love that example. I, I, and I, I've actually seen that in, in real work settings too, where uh, of course everybody wants feedback. They want to know how they're performing and we're going to talk about feedback uh, as well, but I think that that is a little bit of a, that that has been a shift challenge moving from uh, academia, from just getting our technical skills knowledge and knowing what the fields that we want to study and becoming experts in those fields to now transitioning into this is about teamwork. And I, I simplify things incredibly. So I just talk about the workplace as uber teamwork today. And it's that's why we'll we'll also talk about how do we need how can we go about building relationships, but I just wanted to make that point that you need to shift from self focus a little bit because it is an individual grade to okay how can we perform as a team, and that's really what work that's that's honestly what work is today it is a team effort where we all contribute, and we all. Um, build on ideas and that's you actually want to talk and get feedback from others because that makes the output even better than you could even imagine when you have diverse input so thank you for making yeah. making that point 
I think just a great example to kind of, yeah, like a, an idea to exemplify what you just said is we work in a startup space, right? Blackhawk works with startups um, who are oftentimes small teams. And what's so, what's one aspect that differentiates the startup, there are tons, startup space from, you know, for example, the corporate space is they have already embraced failure because how many startups fail? What is it? 80%? Nikki, you know the statistic. Um, <laughs> 80, 80% of startups fail, right? Um, and so this, and it's almost like a rite of passage in the startup space to fail um, because it's so deeply embraced there. But I think part of the reason why is because there is, it is a, oftentimes starts as a tiny, small team and you have to all work together and recognize each other's um, assets and liabilities. And then you realize, okay, well, we're going to fail. And then you, what do you do? You don't turn inwards. Oftentimes you turn to your small little team of people who are failing together um, with you and they can help you, you know, change the narrative in your head of failure. So I do think, I, I do hope that this idea of um, embracing failure comes to other sectors too, because that's why people are so afraid of it, right? Is they're so afraid of the repercussions that are going to happen to yourself or to others in your team. But if you have, like you, like you mentioned, a network of people surrounding you to say, it's okay to fail. I got you, right? We got each other. We're going to hold each other up. Um, then the fear of failure will slowly diminish as well as doing some of that work internally. And like Nikki said, relationally to say, what is the worst case scenario? If you fail, what is something you've learned? How are we going to grow? Um, then you shift the perspective and the narrative and, you know, the fear kind of goes away. It's like exposure therapy, if you will. <laughs> yeah. I got a really good piece of advice from my um, boss, Tom Rath. He was the one who wrote Strengths Finders when I was at Gallup. And he always used to say, you know, people share their work when they think it's at a nine or a 10 which is the absolute wrong time to share something. You should share it when it's like a two or a three and just let people know like, hey, this is a two or a three, you know, I'm working on it, but like, I want to get your feedback before I go all the way down a path and it's the wrong path. Um, and so starting to socialize your work, you know, before it's finished um, can be a really good way to kind of avoid that fear of failure because it's not, you're telling people, you know, I'm not done yet, but I just want to get your thoughts and opinion and your feedback now. Um, before I give it to you and you tell me that <laughs> it's not exactly what you would hope for. I love that. So I just want to pause and reiterate it because I think that's a brilliant suggestion that we could all leverage probably more broadly because I know I'm a perfectionist, so I can benefit from this tremendously. Every time you get feedback, it's improving, right? Mm -hmm. So one time, if you, if you are anxious then about potential failure, then ask for feedback with a product like, you know, or say, I'm thinking about doing this, or if you actually have gone so far as to start to draft something out, then share it. So don't feel like you need to complete and turn in for a grade, right? Right. Shift your mind to, okay, I can take steps and get feedback along the way versus just working on it solely, turning it in and getting some type of grade on it. So I, I thank you for sharing that, Nikki. I love that. I have to give credit to Tom Rath now. <laughs> But we did that, right? I mean, that's what a performance evaluation in theory is. And we, and all performance evaluations, whether it's work or a project, should be incremental. It shouldn't be once a year. It shouldn't be at the end of a performance cycle. It should be along the way, consistently, formal and informal. And so whether that's a single task or it's your overall performance at work, we recommend, hands down, one of the biggest things to do is give feedback 
along the way and seek it, which we tend not to be as good at. Right. The seeking part's a little bit harder, I think. Yep. That's, that's the that's the growth opportunity, I think. Well, for some yeah. of the things that we just discussed, right? Our biases, our fears of failure, all of those uh, those um, you know human tendencies that we are born doing, uh, those are ones that we are consistently have to kind of challenge. If you find our podcast interesting, please leave us a rating and review so others can benefit too. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.